Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. Habs Unfiltered is featured on The Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio. This podcast brings you honest and in-depth hockey discussion and entertainment. Our hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudvay, are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 162. I'm your host, Blaine Putbang. I'm joined now by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Good afternoon. And Matt Smith. Good afternoon. So here we are recording on Thursday, the 17th of June. The Canadians have, a one, have tied up the series at one, forcing an improbable game three. Um, <laughs> Meanwhile, Matt is playing Drink the Beer, which is a game that everybody wins. Absolutely. Cheers. <laughs> Unless you're drinking someone else's beer, then the guy whose beer you're drinking doesn't win. Well, it, it's, yeah. That's not, a, that's not the game Drink the Beer. That's, that's the game Drink a Beer as Fast as You Can Before Someone Punches You. Different game. Well, that's what I always play. <laughs> it's cheaper. <laughs> Yeah, it tends to be cheaper until you get that cigarette butt in the beer. Yeah. Or the the fist in the face. Yeah. Who doesn't like to punch this face? Well. See, in that game, the important thing is not to be is to do it with someone else in a competition and you don't need to be the fastest. You just need to be faster than that guy. Yeah, you grab somebody's dip can and then you're really fucked. <laughs> <laughs> just don't have and, the can in your hand and the other guy comes around. <laughs> That is one minute and 24 seconds into the show, and Matt dropped the episode. <laughs> All right. So for this episode, clearly we're going to talk about game two. We're going to talk about the Canadians win, uh, a little bit about their systems, everything to do with that. But we're going to go with a little bit of a round the, around the league talk. And by that, I mean all Montreal. But to kick it off, I want to send a shout out to uh, Beth from Happy Hour and her mom who went to the game in Vegas. You guys are the lucky charms now, so you have to get a private jet, fly to Montreal, and go to games three and four. Yep. Facts. Yep. No choice. Figure it out. Um, all right. 
So we'll kick this off with uh, Pierre Lebrun's tweet. So for those who are unaware, Pierre Lebrun, last well, this, this morning at about 2 o'clock, uh, Pierre Lebrun tweeted that, and I'm quoting, perhaps that's a win tonight for the entire North Division. Might help quiet a rather tiresome narrative. The Habs belong in the Stanley Cup semifinals just as much as the other three teams. So he's clearly talking about the all four North Division playoff teams. And he's right. Yeah. I mean, Matt's going to let me go first, so I'll go first yeah. before I Never. forget my statement. Um, the, pro- the, the funny thing about this whole North Division being weak is all of a sudden it comes from a team's fan base that all year was saying how the North Division was not weak. Um, I won't name that fan base, but it sounds – it sounds similar to Toronto. Um, the Fable Reefs. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, uh, seriously, uh, like all season long, uh, they were, you see the arguments on Twitter, Toronto saying it's not a weak division, you know, because people were saying, oh, Toronto's just running away because they're the best of the worst and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, and now it's, they, they flip-flop that whole narrative, I guess we'll say. And now it's all well with a weak division anyway, and the Canadians are only there because they got lucky against us and wiped the. It's such a weak division. Why didn't they win? Exactly. You know what I mean? Why didn't they win? They only need to win one more game. That's it. Just one. Oh no! It's it's Um, Tavares's fault. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we we've beaten this dead horse and those dead fans to death. So let's uh, let, let's carry on. Leaf Lindsay's going to have a hemorrhage if she listens to the show. So no, is a guarantee she's blocked everything to do with the Habs. Maybe. I don't know. I I've never interacted with her. So I just see what other people put on. Twitter. I spoke to her once and suddenly I was blocked because I think, and this may be my fault. I tweeted something that had go Habs go in it. Son of a bitch. My apologies. But, uh, and another narrative that that brings up to me, and, and Matt, you can you can I'm going to kind of pose this to you is sure. A lot of people say if it wasn't for the, the way the divisions were, Montreal never would the playoffs. And and the way I look at it is, well, we don't know that because I mean, if it was a regular NHL, uh, Montreal has to play Buffalo, they have to play Detroit, they have to play Anaheim, they have to play San Jose, they have to play yeah. um, what were some of the other weaker teams? LA, they have to play yeah. you know Chicago wasn't that weak, but the, you know what I mean? They get all these teams that. They still got to play. Yeah. And uh, mind you, Detroit, they'll probably lose every game. But um, yeah, they're going to have harder teams to play. But Montreal always tends to play better against the teams that are supposedly better than them. That's right. And, and whatever. So, I mean, may, I don't know if you agree with me or not, Matt, but so I, I do. I do agree because you and even look at the other teams that are within this division. I don't think Toronto would have done as well as what they did if they had to match up against, you know, Boston quite a few times. Or, or, or they could or have Tampa, done even or better. Or Tampa or Florida. It's very well, yeah, 100%. Like, like, you can't say that. Like, it's like me. I always said, well, McDavid would never have been, had 100 points yeah. or on pace for 160 points if he played in the regular. But I don't know that. Maybe That's he right. would have. I, yeah. I have no idea. Like, yeah. uh, and well, who would I, you that, rather play? Would you rather play San Jose, L.A., Anaheim and Arizona or Ottawa, Calgary, Vancouver, like which, which, which teams are harder. That's, that's my point. Like if you look at it based on statistically, 
that team might have only been really shitty because they were playing against two teams that were really good ten times. Yeah, you, you know like, what I mean. It's 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 something you can't really compare, and no. and it's the same thing. It's yeah. the same thing as with with McDavid. Um, we've seen that he can put up an immense amount of points through a full regular season. Could that have been sustainable for a uh, in an eighty two game schedule? Who who knows? He's a hell of a player, but you can't you can't. You know, you can't use that that narrative. So, so LeBron makes a perfect point. Like, how can and, 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 and he does? But the th- this is the problem that I'm having with this. The only reason that this whole narrative started is because of the Montreal Canadiens. Hundred percent. If this would if if this would have been the Leafs and it would have been the the top team coming out of the division, we wouldn't be having this conversation at all. They'd be like, look at the historic work that they've done, and you know. Uh, Kyle Dubas is a hero and the coach is the best in the league and look at Austin Matthews and Marner and look at all these and they'd just be, they'd already be having the parade. Hey, now Austin Matthews today just got voted the NHL's fashion plate. He's the most stylish player. So you leave him alone. Is that from that Sportsnet? uh, Well, yeah. Social media (laughs) thing. Of course. Wonder Um, why he won. (laughs) Um, no. we all we I, all know we all know Hendrik Lundqvist is a better dresser. Just saying, hundred <laughs> percent. Now, but that narrative was there in the regular season too. In the regular season, a lot of people were saying that the North was the weakest division. Some people would argue that the uh, the one with San Jose and LA and all that. But if you look at each division, every division had three teams that were not very good teams, and every division yeah. had at least two te- one or two teams that were really good. Yeah. So. Was it the worst? I don't no. know. They were all set right. up pretty much exactly the same. There yeah. were some weaker sisters and some stronger ones. The stronger ones feasted on the weaker ones to pad their stats. And I'm talking all four divisions did this. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the, the teams in the middle kind of fought it out. And now the ones that were in the middle are having a, a bit of a better time. So Islanders who were a four seed. Montreal, who are a four seed, they're doing well against uh, Vegas, who is a two seed, and Tampa, who I believe they were the one seed in their division. No, Tampa was uh, Tampa was a oh the two seed. They, Tampa was a one seed out of their division. Yeah. Tampa was Tampa was a three. Yeah. Miss Carolina, Carolina so, won that. They were they're, a three. They're a dynasty in the making. They're eighteen yeah. million over the cap okay. somehow. Because they played Carolina in the first round, beat yeah. Carolina, and then they played Florida and beat them out. So they beat no, the two. other way around. Other way around. Tampa Bay beat up Florida in the playoffs. Yeah, and then played. Oh, and then okay, they played okay, Carolina. Okay. Okay. All right. So yeah. So the North Division's you know not the weak sister, and if you if you still believe that, well, it's just because you're salty that your team lost. And I just find it I just find it funny that the team that defended the division as not the weakest is now claiming how weak that division really was because they lost. Correct. And this is the same team, uh, same group that uh, that say, no, the national carriers aren't irrationally tilted towards Toronto. Meanwhile, (laughs) meanwhile, uh, there's live streams with. Steve Dangle on Sportsnet for games of the Montreal Canadiens. Steve Dangle, who don't get me wrong, he is really good at what he does. Yeah, he's a really nice guy. Yeah, but he is a one hundred percent Leafs homer, 
And for whatever reason, instead of finding some, uh, you know, I, I know, and I know there's no Habs podcasts out there or YouTube channels out there that they could have picked from like zero. <clears throat> there's none. So they had to go with Steve Dangle. I find it funny that CBC did a sh- before the Toronto Maple Leafs in Montreal Canadiens, I think game seven, they did a show with Steve Dangle and a guy we know who's a Habs YouTuber named Matt Bedard, Scotian Canadian. Yeah. And uh, they did really well. And then CBC, who sports is run by Sportsnet, decided, no, we're not going to go with the Habs YouTuber to do this. We're going to go with Steve. But then again, Steve Dangle has like millions of followers. I mean, it was all. He's also, he's also under contract with He's all under contract right. with Sportsnet. And they've been, why can't... they've been pumping his stuff out for uh, the last few years. Yeah. So, of course, he's going to have his numbers inflate. Why, uh, so, instead of pandering to all seven teams and having a kind of setup like that regionally, at the very least, they just shove Leafs crap down your throat even two series after they've been eliminated. And that's a good point, Blaine. Like, why can't each team have their own type of Steve Dangle guy? Yeah. Matt, yeah. Matt Bedard Matt, could easily do this. Yeah. Or Matt Smith. Yes. He's so energetic and loud and yelly when he... Yeah. When He's he, just got to stop swearing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he could do that. And you could have a guy for Winnipeg, a guy for Jimmy Jimmy Jellickers. Jimmy Jellickers. <laughs> you know, and... And, you know, that just proves a point. Like, why? I mean, I think Steve Dangle's a closet Habs fan anyway because he finds a reason to wear a Habs jersey or do something all the all the time. Like, he, he'll he make a bet that he knows he's not going to win. Oh, no, I got to wear a Habs jersey. Anyway. It, it's hard not to back a winner. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. But, uh, yeah, I mean, whatever. I, maybe they just yeah. did it because they had him under contract and they didn't want to go out. And I mean, they did fire, just fire a whole shit ton of people so but it, and and that that's probably what happened but yeah. it just seems to reinforce the argument that every other fan base the jets the the flames the canucks the canadian senators all of them are saying the same thing that they're being that toronto with its 27 percent fan share in the country is having their fan base shoved down everybody else's throat just because the headquarters for TSN and Sportsnet are out of Toronto. So obviously a ton of Leaf fans work there. And Rogers owns part of Toronto. That helps too. So there's Sportsnet right there. That's why Sportsnet is, I mean, you go on Sportsnet right now on their, on their webpage and guaranteed well, there's two or three Toronto stories. Well, the main story right now is Spets is resigning. Yeah. And Not you know, they only did it now because... Yeah. Oh no, no one, there's no one paying attention to us right now. Yeah. Not, not so. the Canadians just tied up the series. No. Explain. Montreal has its own goddamn station. Our day is Montreal's own station. A regional carrier. Absolutely. Shh, 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 shh. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Let's, let's ignore the regional versus national. Meh. Anyway. I mean, Leafs, Leafs have Leafs lunch or uh, Leafs TV. Yeah. Which is a regional Toronto. Yeah. Hell, you can even say Sportsnet Ontario could be theirs, but you have Ottawa there too. And what? Okay. So Sportsnet East can be Ottawa. Sportsnet Ontario could be. Except for, except for they run the exact same broadcasting on every channel. Yeah. 
Sportsnet West should be Vancouver. Until you want to watch a hockey game and then it's blocked out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just saying, like, it, it, it's they have Not it the set up. Game. They have it set up to have regional, national, tele, like their national thing is set up for regional telecast. And yet they, they don't do that. Yet they don't do that. Yeah. Well. Anyway, whatever. So, uh, yeah. Those leaf maybe. blowers can keep blowing their leaves. Meanwhile, the uh, Canada's team just keeps rolling. And speaking of Canada's team, Canada's team has uh, another award coming, it would seem, or at least the nomination, as Mark Bergevin has been nominated for GM of the Year Award. Get out of town. You know who else got nominated? Uncle Lou. Lou Lamorello. <laughs> Not Kyle was, Dubas. What? Was there a team that he used to work for that could have used someone that's GM of the Year quality? Maybe no. got them out of a second, out of a first round series. Maybe just just think of what their playoff. Did Lamorello get them out of a first round series? No, he could have. No, he could have. Oh, yeah, but they fired him so they can go with pure analytics. I still Which... think I still think they should have uh, they should have hired um, Hunter. Oh yeah, I think that's who they should have went with. Well, that's who the, everyone thought they were going to hire, and then all of a sudden they went with Kyle Dubis, and who is. Okay, and using analytics is good, but you can't rely solely on the eye test just as much as you can't rely solely on analytics. No, that's wrong. Look at Mete. Yeah, yeah, he's he's just lighting it up. Yeah, Mete's on a bottom feeding team. Yeah, well, sure as hell didn't work for Arizona with Chica down there. That's for sure. Yeah, but Chica did a lot of things that didn't work out. Yeah, uh, like. Uh, Cheating Yay. at the NHL at the, uh, at, at the combine. combine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oops. And there's a lot of other things in Arizona that are going way wrong. Okay. All off ice crap. There's all it's a gigantic soap opera that I do not want to get into. Like the team being in Arizona. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, Vegas is in the desert too, and that franchise is extremely well run. Absolutely. Well, like I always make the art. People argue that Tampa was handed a team. And I don't think that's true. A lot of their top players were traded to them from other teams so they yeah. wouldn't pick other players. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't tell me that William Carlson, everyone knew William Carlson was going to be a 40 goal scorer. When he Alex Tuck. Alex Tuck. Uh, Flurry. Flurry was traded to them by Pittsburgh so they wouldn't pick it wasn't Matt Murray. Else. Matt, no, it wasn't Matt yeah. Murray. It was, yeah, Matt Murray. was someone else. Yeah. Um, Shay Theodore. Yeah. That's another one. Anaheim gave Just him up so that they would not pick someone else. And I mean, it's not, it's not who they necessarily picked during the actual expansion draft. It was the trades they made prior to, and then they've, they've parlayed that into good signings and good yeah. trades since. Yeah. So they're so, a well-run organization. Yeah. There's I no mean, uh, George McPhee did a great job and now McCrimmon's in there. Uh, yeah doing just a good job so i mean you can complain all you want there they're giving a team i just think the the uh, management department just did a good job of putting the team together yeah so back to bergevin well yeah let's finish this off with bergevin um so <laughs> i'm going to ask one question we're going to try and keep this very concise yeah. so that we can get into game two sure so i'm going to start with matt do you feel that with the regular season as these awards are all regular season awards that Bergevin deserves this nomination. 
I do. And um, this actually goes. You're the, stupid. This, this award actually goes into the second round of the playoffs. This no, it's, actually, vote, it, it's, not, it's voted for after the second round. Of the yeah. Playoffs. Yeah. But it's supposed to be about just the regular season. Um, I'd still, I, yeah, why not? I'd still give it to him. I, I, I think that, um, I think the team went through a hell of a lot of adversity this year playing with the, uh, the condensed schedule that they did and the moves that he made to make this team competitive and to make it, uh, you know, self, I'm going to say self-sufficient, but like, um, a little bit more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They, they didn't rely on one big player. Let's just say that. Like when price went down, when price went down, Jake Allen came in and, uh, and he got them to the playoffs. Right. He, and he added uh, the depth they needed. Yeah. He added the depth that they needed. He also, you know, in the off season, he re- he resigned uh, Gallagher. He brought in Petrie and then you bring in Perry late. Um, nobody saw the Toffoli signing coming. He added Josh Anderson, et cetera, et cetera. Like I, I, I think, uh, I think he, yeah, absolutely. I give him a nomination. What about you, Treg? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you get, if you look, and my understanding of this nomination is not about how well your team did. It's how, what you did to improve the team uh, from the previous year. And he was the busiest GM of the year. Uh, Toffoli was really the only free agent he signed. Well, Perry and Froley, but at free agency frenzy was the only guy he signed. Uh, he went out and got Joel Edmondson before he went to free agency so he can shore up the defense. He filled every hole but the, the left-handed puck mover. Um, and you could argue that he wasn't trying to fill that because he had Romanov coming and he has a whole bunch coming through the system, but whatever, that's an excuse. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not really based on how well the team did. It's based on whether the moves you made improved the team. And every move he made um in the regular season or before the trade deadline anyway and helped the team improve the team made the team better um many factors were the reason why they struggled i mean if you think about right to the end they were only a couple points out of 30 out of third so um yeah they i mean they lost five in a row to get into the to go to the playoffs but they were already pretty much in the playoffs anyway so uh and then the trade deadline deals that he got didn't work out in the regular season, but look at what they're doing in the playoffs. Stall, dare I say, Gustafson. But, uh, but I mean, Gustin, you can't deny it. Gustafson's numbers are good. He's the Mete of the playoffs. Uh, you look at his analytics, and he's a freaking top four defenseman. You look, watch him play, and you do you want to hit your head against the wall? I cringe. I just. It's like <laughs> but he scored a, it's like, a goal. It's like watching a horror movie. He scored a goal. Blanket over I, my eyes. I believe he leads the team in XGF and all this other crap. That oh my lord! In those six minutes a game, yeah. Hey, numbers don't lie. Yeah. You can Why do does a lot. Toronto have Mete? If they're you an do, team, they you can do a lot in six. You can do a lot in six minutes. Believe me. <laughs> anyway, I, I think he deserves it. Whether he wins it or not, I don't know, but I think he deserves it. Yeah. Moving away from Matt's OnlyFans page. Um, <laughs> Mr. Six Minute. Uh, personally, I don't think he deserves the nomination for GM of the Year. I'm not taking away all the work he did. He did great work in the offseason. Uh, and yeah, all his moves did make an impact uh, from the offseason moves. The team 
made the playoffs despite losing six or no seven of their top players who were out for long periods of time and most of them all at once. So yeah, making the playoffs, you know, he, his work made the impact and made them make the playoffs. But I don't know. The, the I would just expect to see a better record, you know, I, I think it just says a lot about Bergevin as a person because the, the, the award is, 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 yes, there's people from the media that vote yeah. on it, but um, NHL executives and GMs, they all have a vote as well. So it that's just shows, it, yeah, it just shows, it just shows what his peers think of him. And I that's think right. that's, I think that's a really good thing. So Blaine, who would, who would you have picked over Bergevin? Oh, I haven't really put that much deep thought into it, well, but you know. I, I was saying, I was saying the same thing. I haven't either, but I, I'd probably, I'd probably consider someone like Joe Sackick. Yeah. Yeah. But what did Joe Sackick do this year to improve Colorado? Brought in See, Devin. that's what you got to look at. You're goaltending. Yeah. He brought in goaltending. Brought in goaltending. He brought in Devin Taves. But he, yeah. But Grabauer was already there. He's just injured. Well, no, he, no, he brought in depth and goaltending. Mm, so they, so he had the same kind of moves. You know, it's, I didn't really put a, a ton of thought mm. into it. I just figured it'd be more than a fourth place team. You know what I mean? Like, cause it's supposed yeah. to be a regular season thing, but well, wasn't Florida fourth place team. No, no they were a hockey second. team. They were amazing. Well, Florida is a good hockey team. Amazing. Yeah. No, but, but uh, it, I, I, I think people get caught up in the whole career of a GM when it's a dominator for a GM and not, you kind of got to narrow it down to what did he do this year? Yeah, and at the same time, a GM's job is not year to year either. They're they're doing they're doing things with a, you know they're looking ahead two, three, four, five years. Oh, and Bill sure. Zito has only had that job for one year. I yeah. mean, he got handed Barkov and and Huberdo, and I mean, come on. And really, all he brought in was Verskay or, or whatever his name is. Vesca yeah, or... Quenville was already there, the coach. So he had pretty much everything there. He made a couple of tweaks and the team performed better. So good for him, but it's a, it's just, you know, I, I find it's a little bit odd, but yeah, it, to, to your point, Treg on uh, the voting, the way it's voted on, you're right. It's uh, the other team executives respect the work that he did. So good for him. And we know for a fact that someone who listens to the show religiously would be completely against this uh, this nomination. Uh, we all know who he is. He likes show business. He's in Montreal. <laughs> He's on Tony's show this morning. He was yes. And, uh, and if you go to TSN six ninety radio, I listened to it just before we recorded, um, and, and listen to the podcast that they posted up of uh, Tony's discussion with Mister Kelly do so it is so worth the laughs it is so props to tony i I like tony um i don't always agree with tony has to say but in this one he was uh oh my god it was hilarious place it was hilarious because it was a scheduled thing that they were going to have and the news about bergevin broke like minutes before he came on so completely unprepared for what happened and it just break down into hilarious laughter it's perfect. How can you put GM of the year for a guy who traded my favorite player? That's a good that point. is terrible. Like six years ago. Oh my dear. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they could always 
they could always just call him up, uh, ask him how the playoffs are going. Well, he is it. Anyway, Brendan Kelly's anyway, a joke. So, so yeah. <laughs> so enough on that. We're going to move on to game two. So the Canadians in game two, I mean, after game one, the series was done. It's over. Oh. The Canadians are destroyed. Vegas is going to roll over this team in two games. Oh, my God. I thought they already left after game one. I thought Montreal just went home. Yeah, just packed it up. They took yeah. every player out behind uh, the MGM Grand and just shot them. Threw them in the Bellagio fountain. Yeah. So yeah. game two rolls around. There's this, <laughs> this – I'm going to start with the Jeff Petrie stuff. So Jeff Petrie knew all day he was going to play. All day. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he had family fly in to come watch him play. His you dad was it, on. You could see it in his eyes that he was going to play. <laughs> <laughs> He was, you couldn't keep the devil off the ice, Yeah. but uh, no, he had family fly in, got them tickets, got them in the game. His dad was on the radio talking about uh, the Detroit Tigers and mentioned that his son was going to play that night. Like everybody knew Dom, Dom Ducharme knew, but playing a little game with Vegas. The like, worst kept secret. Oh my God. It was terrible. He didn't do line rushes. So he's out. No, he's in. No, he's out. No, he's in. And then especially he since the game sheet went out and he was down in the scratches. Yeah, and then they yeah. put out the game sheet 30 seconds later with his name on it. Yeah. And then he played one hell of a game. Yeah, he looked very he looked very good. Yeah. Like after the after the uh the midway point of the game, he his XGF was 90%. They had a good game. Like unreal. Just shows he, how uh, important he is to that team. I mean, I thought he had a great game considering you could tell in his eyes that he was out all night in the Vegas strip. So uh... <laughs> Yeah, that's a bad so, case of pink eye. I've ever seen it. Well, you know. Um, anyway, if anyone's wondering, he he has blood vessels bust in his eyes, so I don't know what it was from, but uh, that's what yeah. it was. His what wife said that it was actually worse last week. Yeah, which I can just imagine what he would have looked like. And it, and apparently, he does. He's not feeling any pain or anything. It's just well, you know, it, is, it doesn't doesn't hurt your vision or anything. No, or, no, no. I thought it was pretty. I thought it was pretty cute what his kids said, though. Apparently, his wife told uh, told the kids, you know, when they're at school, okay, kids, your father's going to look a little bit different, and apparently, they're playing it off as he's the villain and they're superheroes now. So I thought that was pretty cute. Oh yeah. Um. He uh, his shot wasn't too bad either with the with the way his fingers were. So. Yeah. But you could tell in the game he was protecting his hand. Like every time he got hit, he took his hand off the stick and put it in close to his body. And, yeah, he shied and away like from that. a little bit of physical play. But yeah. but he gonna, was able to box people out. He was able yeah. to box everyone out. He yeah. did his job properly. He didn't really shy away from the physical aspect that much. Um, yeah, he wasn't shooting as hard. Like he wasn't winding up for his big old clappers from the point. But he was getting shots on net, quick wristers, good hard shots. But what concerned me most before the game for him to play was his passing. And that was literally not a concern whatsoever. No. So if he can play, if he can play at that level with that injury for the rest of the series, great. That's the kind of play you need. A wise man once said at the first of this week, the Montreal Canadiens are going to need Jeff Petrie if they want to win this series. Yeah. A lot of people said that. That was Craig Button on Habs Unfiltered uh, <laughs> last episode. No, um, Jeff played great. I thought Shea Weber had a strong game. He did. Yeah, despite having no hands after getting slashed oh. on the other one. Yeah. I don't and even then, want to and, get... then, and then he blocks one with his hand 
yeah. at the end of the game yeah. to save to save a goal. So I don't even want to get into the refereeing of that game. It was just uh... oh no, we'll get into that later. Okay, get into it later. All right. Um, well, I thought it was at all the the whole defensive core except Gustafson and Merle had good games. Merle looked like he hadn't played in a month, which is true. True. And Gustafson was Gustafson. I'm. He looked the I'm same. I'm sorry, but he played the night before. Whatever. I'm sorry, but Gustafson. To me, as if I was a coach, he does not give me enough on the offense to justify me putting him in there. No, no. He's, I, he's, I would... he's too much of a liability defensively. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we can't take the body. He, he doesn't play the body. And like what you said about the, the officiating last night, he's in, he's in to be on a power play. Montreal didn't get a power play last night. So the only time that he played last night was five on five. And he's a liability. And that was scary to watch. Yeah, yeah. And that was scary to watch. Now the Canadians made some really good adjustments in this game. The first game, they just, they, they were, they were outmatched a little bit in the coaching department. Uh, Vegas got that first goal and then they played, they played their form of shutdown um, and they use their points properly. <clears throat> I mean, they, all their offense comes from the back end and the Canadians did adjust quite significantly in game two and it forced Vegas. Like they came out just as hard in game two as they did in game one, but they got that goal and that made a difference. <clears throat> the Canadians were able to play their game, stick to their plan and it forced Vegas to chase the game a little bit. When Vegas is chasing the game, they try to stretch the zone. They make these long stretch passes and makes them susceptible to being intercepted, you know, interceptions, takeaways, giveaways, all of that, because they're trying to stretch the zone. It, it didn't happen as much as you would th- as you would expect because Vegas is a very good hockey team, but it did happen. Um, they're, and their defense was still the major focal point of their offense. I mean, Peter Angel got both goals. The big, uh, the big shift was the Canadians did much better in the faceoff circle. They were over sixty percent in this game. They did, yet it was still a, a story of the game, and it was yeah. the losses that, that that they had that were clean that led to both goals. And that's where I'm getting at with the adjustments. They adjusted somewhat to attacking the point on the face-offs because these are set plays that Vegas is pulling. So they did adjust a little bit, but Vegas was still a lot faster on those draws that they won. And the Canadians did not get their wingers up onto the defenseman. Now, defensively, the Canadians played extremely well. They're boxing out. The shots are coming from the outside. Price is seeing a lot of this stuff, but Vegas is the the majority of Vegas's goals are coming off these set face-off plays. And this is where the Canadians really have to buckle down. Yeah. I, I know. I'm, I'm, I wasn't happy with the Canadians game last night, to be honest with you. I thought they played the exact same game they played the night before. They played a great first period and then didn't do nothing the next two periods. And if you ask, if my opinion, they played better defensively. Uh, they kept Vegas off the score sheet. Um, but I'll tell you, I wasn't impressed with the second and third period at all. I was not, and uh, it was the same way with the first the first game. They played great the first period. I think the goal kind of deflated them a little bit, 
And then uh, the next two periods, they didn't really have it in it. I didn't find they did this this period. They ended up winning because they buried their chances in the first period that they needed. Um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, I'm glad they won, but I think they have to play a more of a full 60 minutes going forward than what they're doing right now. Well, the Canadians in the first period dominated. They had an yep. eight to one high danger chance for differential. And by the end of the game, uh, they still had almost tripled the high danger chances than, uh, than Vegas. And they outchanced them with the scoring chances. They, uh, they didn't outshoot Vegas. Vegas outshot them, but Vegas's shots were for the vast majority coming from the outside. The Canadians had the higher quality shots and that was the difference. And even though they didn't shoot much in the second period out of those four shots, two of them were high danger chances. And in the, th- in the third period, they created five more hydrogen chances in their seven shots. So they didn't get a lot of shots, but they had quality. Now, that's another adjustment that they have to work on is playing a full 60 the way they did the first period because they let Vegas come back in the game. And you cannot let teams like Vegas claw their way back into games. This isn't Toronto. Like they, they're, they're more battle-tested. They won't crumble if you do one thing to shut them down. I, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And, and, I, and I agree. I just, I don't know. It's just the, uh, I just wasn't happy with the game. I just wasn't, I don't know. Well, once they went up th- uh, three, nothing, you knew, you knew that they were going to play. I, yeah, I did, but stupid I, I shut down. I guess I was hoping they would wait to the third to do that. And, uh, yeah, they they didn't. And and in all honesty, I mean, Peter Angel's first goal was a seeing eye friggin' missile that yeah. went through everything somehow Literally. miraculously. Went and, off Price's glove even and went in. Yeah, and the second one again, Price got a piece of it. It just it just went in. Now, yeah. um, so really, the goals weren't like they were no one's fault. I guess my point was is and my point is 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 it frustrates me when they come up with that first period. And you're like, man, that what a first period. They play like this, whether they're down by a goal or up by two goals. They should win this hockey game. And then the next two periods, they don't even look like the same team. They sat back and just <clears throat> dumped the puck out, dumped the yeah. puck out, dumped yeah. the puck out. And the I pause. Mean, it, Go ahead. I was just going to say, and one of those dump outs led to an icing, which led to Suzuki being on the ice for a defensive zone uh, faceoff, which, mind you, he wasn't that bad on last night, but he was tired. And yeah. then they put their best center on and he just lost it and led to, and it led to a goal. So yeah, exactly. The positive I take out of this game is the top line. We'll call it in uh, with the Dano line. They went out there, they did what they needed to do. And then the rest of the lines provided the scoring. They got a goal on each of those lines. I yeah. think uh, it was uh, Josh Anderson's probably one of his strongest game in a while. And uh, even though he didn't, uh, you know, he didn't show up on the, uh, on the score sheet. I think that he played a complete game. He, uh, he skated hard. He went to the net quite often. He was physical. He led to the third goal His just his little box out play at the blue line. And um, his hard skating negated a few, uh, a few icings. I think it was one of the better games that he had had. And we're seeing the uh, kind of the emergence of, of Caulfield and he's getting more, um, confident with he's getting more confident with the puck and even though he's only got the one goal so far in the playoffs 
he's put up uh, five assists now, including the series winning goal against uh, against Winnipeg. So, yeah, imagine this kid playing a full season, and we're going to see that next year. Something to look forward to. Well, that little so, pass over to uh, to Foley, like he he froze the defender. He even he even tricked, he froze uh, Flurry. Yeah. yeah. So, like this is this, and this kid's not. He's no slouch on defense either. No, he's he's in there. He's 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 not going to play the body at all, but he's gonna he's got an active stick. But he does. He goes into the corners. He he goes and he tra- and he goes after the board battle. He doesn't win them all, but I no. mean, dare I say this guy's name again? But he does a better job than Victor Mete on board battles and on That's puck true. battles. That's true. Because and he Victor keeps Mete's himself on the defensive side of the puck. Correct. And Victor Mete is a defenseman and a little bit bigger than he is. Yeah. Um, but couldn't and, do what Caulfield's doing now. And, and that's my point, going back to what we were talking about earlier about Victor Mete and analytics and and the eye test. Um, but Caulfield, remember when everyone said he's just a one-dimensional player and he's only going to score goals? Well, guess what? He's not just a one. And not only to pass it to Foley, but uh, the pass he had the other night to uh, not uh, in the last game against Winnipeg there for yeah. uh, Suzuki's goal. To Foley, uh, to Foley's for the, goal. To Foley's for goal for the overtime. Yeah. That was just a beautiful beautiful pass and you got to know how to do that in order to do stuff like that and he did that after winning a board battle yeah exactly and 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 uh, so caulfield and he's also one of those guys who think he's going to take this big hit at center ice and that's going to be the end of him and then all of a sudden he just never gets hit he never he gets water touched. bugs his way out of the way yeah so i mean he's just a, a, a treat to watch i can't wait to watch him in an 82 game season uh and win the rookie of the year next year it's going to be amazing well, he's already shown that he's a first-line winger. He's got uh, he's got what eighteen NHL games under his belt now, Nine, or twenty something total? like that. Yeah, like something twenty like games into his career, yeah. and he's already a first-line player. Yeah. Well, I mean, technically, that line gets the first-line minutes, but but he's actually playing like a first-line like player. a first-line. Yeah, and Suzuki, yeah. he's made Suzuki better. Suzuki, I find, is a better player out there too, with Caulfield on his wing. Which is impressive because um, Suzuki was doing very well before. Exactly. And Toffoli just complements that whole line. So That's right. I mean, you have Toffoli now on an eight-game point streak, which is the second longest point streak in Montreal Canadiens history. Uh, Guy Lafleur and Larry Robinson with nine lead the way. And it's, not, Caulfield, it's not a bad list to be on, eh? No. And Caulfield just tied uh, Shane Corson for the highest. Shane Corson? Yeah. For the youngest. For, yeah. for the youngest for the only player. Other under 20. For under a player twenty or under to have a four game point streak in the playoffs, so yeah, so we get some. The future's looking bright, no matter what happens here. Now it's let's hope that the maybe GM of the year puts the right pieces together. And yeah, helps this team make the next step. But in this game, in game two, I mean, we're uh, we're touting Caulfield. That that line did very well. But it's it's the uh, it's the washing machine line, the fourth line, the cycle. Those guys set the tone. Man, those guys, Armia, totally different player in the playoffs than what he is in the regular season. Yeah, and he's working like, his way to a contract that the Canadians will not be able to afford. And uh, uh, Stalls having an incredible Stall, Perry, and Armia are just setting the tone for the entire game. Uh, Perry's doing his thing by getting under everyone's skin. 
Stahl is just winning board battles, winning face-offs, doing everything he can, and they just cycle that puck, cycle that puck, cycle that puck, and Armia, who we already knew could stick handle in a box, um, and they're just pressing. Like They spend more time in the offensive zone than I think any other line, to be honest with you. And uh, there's, people, going... there's people talking about bringing back that whole line next year. Well, I don't I think don't... it's going to be possible, but it would be nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I can see Perry coming back. I can too. At I can 750K. Too. I don't see Stahl coming back. No, I don't see Stahl coming back. Uh, it'll be hard to keep Armia because of how he's doing in the playoffs. That contract is going to be expensive. Perry D- should be able to be kept. It depends on, well, look at Deneau. Did Deneau just earn yeah. his $6 million contract that he's looking for? Oh, my God. I hope not. Neither do I. But if you look at his performance in the playoffs. Yep. He shut. He shut down Matthews and Marner. He shut down uh, Shifley for a game, and then, and then he shut down then, Connor and Ehlers and Wheeler and Dubois and, and, Dubois. and so far in this one, uh, Stone, Stone and, and Pacioretty. And I mean, you, we can't go through this this series and not toot the horn for Carey Price. He wow. has done so much to get into the heads of the Vegas players. Like you look at, look at the reactions. Reeves thought that uh, Martinez's shot was in, he was celebrating. Martinez was celebrating the entire arena was celebrating. And then price just stood up and said, no, face offs over there. Yeah. And we've seen it with Mark Stone a few times too, with him looking up at the rafters and stuff as well. Yeah. Right? Well, that's so. just because he robbed him. And I mean, some of the saves he's made last night, the pants save there that yeah. uh, off his pant leg, like the off tip Martinez of his pant shot. leg. Yeah. And then uh, uh, he had another one on stone, one on Pacioretty with the toe there over on the other side. He's just. And Pacioretty hit the post. He had him clean. He beat Price clean, but he hit the post because Price yeah. came out and played that angle. Yeah. And shooters are, the shooters in Vegas are thinking, I need a perfect shot. I yeah. have to rip a perfect shot to beat him. It's the same thing in the Winnipeg series. Yeah. The only thing in the Winnipeg series and what it made Montreal look so dominating is Montreal did a better job of clearing the slot for Carey Price because almost every goal so far that went in on Price except maybe two were screenshots. Yeah. And, well, and they're and coming the off of, series. they're coming off a of set plays off the faceoff. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's an aspect of the game that Ducharme needs to clean up. It, I think one goal for Vegas so far in this series comes off of a non-face-off play. Uh, All the others do. In the first game, it was two screens and two cross-ice passes. And that uh, cross-ice well, pass that went off like five legs yeah, landed the, right the, on the guy's stick. The Theodore one, or, or the, not the, the Peter Angelo one. Was it Theodore or Peter Angelo who made the, the fake? Theodore fake shot? Yeah, that, I mean, that wasn't really cross-ice, but that, that was one. The one to Holden, which was cross-ice that bounced off every skate that it went through. Yeah, and, and the Holden one is the only one that didn't come off of a face-off play. Right, and then the other two were screens off a of face-off. They won the face-off, screened, yeah. the, screened the front of the net, and he had no idea. He was still looking for the puck when they were clean, and the ref was taken out of the net. Um, and then even last night, the two goals, Peter Angelo's first goal was a screenshot, and his second goal was off the draw. Yes, that goes off, off the draw. draw. Yeah. yeah. It was a and set play off the face off, creating an opening on that far side. Yeah. So yeah, if Montreal just needs to do a 
they have they did their adjustments for the other part of the game. They took the cross ice passes away. They 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 played up higher on the defensemen to take their shots away and take their their time away. Uh, now they have to work on that face off. Like it's almost like you got to take the guy away from the front of the net and just put him up on one of the defensemen. Like you know how well, they usually line. It, you, you what you want to try and do, and, and it's not it's not you know rocket science. Mm. I mean, even I can figure this one out. It's a set play in that I taught my kids. Like I've, I've been teaching this to 11-year-olds. The, the winger who's up against the boards on the face-off in the defensive zone, his job is to go straight to, uh, to, the, to the center dot. So the face-off happens. That winger goes to the dot to help the, fa- to help the center if there's a, cont- a contested face-off. The one that's in the slot, that's, uh, that winger kind of jams the winger that he's up against to slow him down. The defender behind him picks that player up, and that winger then goes straight to the defender in the high slot. It's, that's it. You, you make a mad rush to that defenseman because that's the scoring threat. Yeah. That winger and that defenseman are the real scoring threats. Everybody else is over to the side. So you need your defenseman who's on that uh, on the uh, the slot side and the winger on the slot side to deal with those two players. Those are the scoring threats. You take that out, and there goes ninety percent of Vegas's offense because it's all on set plays off faceoffs. So far, I mean, Dom's been doing well in this series. He'll probably figure that out. I think he'll figure it. Out. And, and Montreal will have the last line change come uh, come Montreal. So well, he was talking about the faceoffs and the set plays after the game. Hmm which is still an issue, and I'm sure they've got something planned. Oh, I would imagine, yeah. So. Did you have, uh, what about you, Matt? You got anything on, uh, on the game? Anything else? Any, any insights? I got nothing on the game. However, want to say that uh, Eric Ballanger was named the uh, head coach of the Trois-Rivières-Lyon, and uh, they're still there. Um, their store is now open, so you can buy merchandise. And I think they're—I I really like the look of their logo. I think they did a really good job at that. Oh, it's a really well-built logo. Yeah. There so you guys, a, you haven't seen it, it, definitely head over to their website, check out their merchandise, and uh, it's really good. The, the last thing I need to pass on, because um, I know Trike's going to take off here very soon, um, we got a contest going up, like I did on the last one. Uh, this time, you can just head on over to my uh, Twitter account at snakebite350. And you could win one of two Funko Pops that are NHL oriented. Um, I will be um, drawing the uh, the winners. They started the second period of the Montreal uh, the uh, the Montreal Vegas game of Game Four. So Sunday night. Yeah. Treg. Uh, I'm just gonna put this out. I'm gonna be watching the game live with the uh, Slapshot Sweethearts in the second period of Friday night's game. Um, so, yeah, so look out for them if you want to watch my reactions live to the hockey game. I hope they have a bleep button. Um, so, yeah, that's Why, all Matt's I really... not on the show. <laughs> uh, so, really, that's all I have. I'm just going to be live with them. They're going to be – they're doing a live podcast during the game, and I'm going to show up in the second period. 
All right. I'd like to remind everybody listening that uh, we do have promo codes that you can use if you want to buy any of the products from Built Bar, delicious protein bars, low in sugar, high in protein, excellent, excellent tasting candy bars. They don't have that gritty feel. Use the promo code unfiltered20 to get 10% off your purchase and they deliver to your door. Um, you can use the same promo code unfiltered20 if you go to East Coast Lifestyle. And that will get you 20% off of any purchase from East Coast Lifestyle, clothing, hats, merchandise, anything that they sell on their online store, 20% off using Unfiltered 20. Even their beer? No, no, no. They don't sell okay. that on the online store. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Well, that makes sense, though. Yeah. And it's rum soda. Ah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can also use the code Unfiltered 20 at seatgiant.ca. So if you're planning on going to the Montreal Canadiens games this weekend, Use unfiltered20 at seatgiant.ca to save 35% off your fees, which when a ticket is costing as much as it does right now on those resale sites, 35% off is a significant savings. So feel free to use those uh, promo codes that we provide to you solely for your benefit, not ours. Uh, oh, and don't uh, also remember that uh, for every Montreal Canadiens win, we are donating $25 to the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundation. Uh, check out Habs Unfiltered uh, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And you'll see the, uh, the link for the foundation. So if you want to make any donation or if you just want to share the link so that people you follow you can see it and possibly want to donate as well, that would be appreciated. So anything we can do to help the kids uh, and hopefully, by the end of the playoff run, we'll have been don we'll donated at least four hundred dollars to this, because twenty five dollars per win. How many wins is that to get to four hundred? Sixteen. Sixteen wins to four hundred. So, let's get four hundred dollars into the hands of those kids, shall we? So, any final thoughts, boys? No. Oh, thanks. Thanks to all our new followers. Yeah. We don't care how salty you are or how you want to troll us. We're just happy you're listening. So, uh, yeah. So thanks for listening. And uh, remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. Have you ever needed a fragrance that matches your every social media post? Well, if you're on Twitter after dark and feel a little angry, you can wear Fire Perky. This fragrance is available on every social media site. Fire Perky. On every message board. Fire Perky. So when you need to smell like your social media accounts take a bath in. Fire Perky. You'll need no other fragrance. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast. 
the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.